right, cool, we're back uh, on another uh, Blade Runner run uh, to check out Blade Runner 2049, uh, where me yes. and Corwin have, uh, in sync, across time and space, uh, watched the movie, and then we're here now to uh, to discuss it and see what we think, see what we found. Um, Corwin, have you seen this one before? Yeah, yeah, I've seen this movie three or four times, so more than I've seen a lot of movies but not nearly as often as I've seen the first Blade Runner. The first Blade Runner I could discuss just off the top of my head. This one I almost had to, like, no, I actually have to watch this one again. Yeah, I'd, n- I'd never seen it. Okay, well, what what did you think? Like, you just saw the first Blade Runner maybe a week ago, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know, time is, time is relative these days. You just saw the first one, and then you saw this one. What did you think of this one? The first thing that really came to mind, like, overall is how talented whoever made both of them is. I guess Ridley Scott. Um, but I'll say, so if you had to make the sequel to Blade Runner, that's a lot. That's like almost an unenviable task. But it it really seems like when they sat down to make this movie that they had the opportunity to make the sequel to Blade Runner. And I thought it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, when this I, one... This one was actually directed by Dennis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Oh, wow. So it wasn't Ridley Scott. This was an entirely different guy. This is a guy who grew up on the original Blade Runner. Man, he did his homework. I was right? I was impressed. Felt very uh, con- uh, congruent. Uh, is that the word? Yeah, congruent. Like, it, it fits. Yeah. It's that was... different, but it still fits. Um, one of the big things that got me, though, thematically, that I liked was before in the first one there was the idea that the replicants were as human as human or more human than human and so what was the difference like why were they disposable it, that kind of piece like they they are legitimate people in a way but then it's i felt like the the siri uh joy um the yes. girlfriend was a new version of that where he loves her and so one of the things that makes uh, makes me think about it is when you love somebody Really, what you're in love with is your perception of them. It's what of them exists in your own mind. And often, relationships end because of the conflict between who they really are and who you thought they were or who you want them to be. And it's a chasm that can't be crossed sometimes. So regardless, he saw this, I guess, AI program as the person he loved. And in the end, what's the difference there? We love what we think someone is. And I felt like that was a, a, compa- a callback to the old version of the movie where... Okay, what's the difference between us and the replicants? Right. So I actually have a lot to talk about about, about Joy. Like, I, I was taking notes this time uh, throughout the movie. Uh, do you want to go chronologically through the movie, and then we can discuss things as they kind of as they happen in our mind's eyes? Yeah, let's. Um, okay. how, how did it start? It started with, th- this is actually interesting. Um, well, I think all of this is interesting, but uh, the interesting thing about how this starts Going to the theater, it was me and my brother. We were the only ones in the theater for this fucking movie, which is a damn shame. Going to the theater, we're watching the opening scene where you see this farmer. Uh, That's right. He's in a decontamination suit. He's pulling maggots and stuff. He's a protein farmer. And you see uh, a Blade Runner flying in. Farmer goes into his own house. There's a guy already sitting there. Um, You know, he's... They have this kind of almost spaghetti western style discussion. And he's like, yeah, I grow garlic for me. Do you want to try some? And he goes, no, uh, I don't like to eat until the hard part of the day is done. Foreshadowing like, okay, there's something going on here. When I was watching that scene, I was like, what the? I've seen this before. What the fuck is happening? Am I a replicant? Do I have implanted (sighs) memories? Then I realized on like one of the special editions uh, for Blade Runner, they talked to a lot of people who were involved in making it and they didn't talk themes or anything it was all about how difficult a movie it was to make how many iterations the script went through how many different writers were on the script and they talked to this guy who they, they talked to one of the script writers maybe the first script writer and who, who described like yeah this was my first idea and he kind of walked walked us through uh, I think they even had like storyboards and shit for it uh, walked us through his beginning to a movie, to a Blade Runner movie, this is that. Wow. They went back to 
the first script for the original Blade Runner, and I don't know how much else they pulled from it, but they, they pulled that entire opening scene from the original Blade Runner script, well which I, I just thought was cool. But yeah, so in the, in the opening scene, you kind of, you see this tree, uh, it's dead, but it's got these, something that occurred to me was it's, it's this dead thing that has these metal cables holding it up. So kind of indicating like this tree was important to somebody and it's being artificially, artificially sustained long, long past its natural death, which I kind of thought like, oh, that's kind of a theme for Blade Runner. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of indicative of the world we're in too, because like the original Blade Runner, I think has like five sets. You see his apartment, you see Dirty Street, you see uh, Decrepit Apartment Building, you see Tyrell Corporation. Like, it, it, it almost seems like a very small movie compared to this one. In this one, they go all over the place. Like, this is a much larger world, and you get to see more of it. And it's in this movie where you really see, like, holy shit, everything has truly fallen apart at this point. But the, uh, on the artificial sustainment note um yeah like what is it artificial agriculture was what the the mm -hmm. guy um ended up making his his fortune with so it's a similar yeah. thing of like stilting up something that's dead yeah like the, this world is this world is long past its usefulness but it's still being maintained um uh, and speaking of artificial farms what, what did you when you actually we're gonna skip ahead a little bit when you actually went into um the company shit what was his name wallace yeah, yeah. Wallace, when you actually went into that company, what's something that you noticed about the set design? Uh, well, uh, it may have been ruined. I remember somebody mentioning um, wood, and because wood was rare, they used wood to show um, how wealthy he was. Yeah, I, th that might have been me. I, I don't know. Oh, no, it was uh, something I read years ago, and I hadn't even oh, seen yeah. the movie. I, just remember, I think it was like on Reddit, one of those TILs. Oh, okay, well... Yeah, like he, it's the equivalent of plating your floors, ceilings, and walls with solid fucking gold. Yeah, is Wallace. Uh, but so he he goes there. He retires a replicant who doesn't have an incept date. Um, one of the older fashioned replicants, and you know he starting out this movie, you don't realize what he is. Like he, he's just he's a Blade Runner. You can tell that. Uh, but you don't realize what he is, and the way they indicate, like, oh no, you're. There's no question this time. the The main character is a replicant. Like that's not one of the questions that they're addressing in this movie. Yeah, like the uh, it wasn't retread ground in that respect. Yeah, yeah. They they basically they showed that he was a, repl a replicant by throwing him through a wall. <laughs> I just I I enjoyed that. I thought it was the uh, shit. It was awesome. <laughs> the. You know, in the first movie, you're like, well, if Deckard's a replicant, how come he's so fragile? Well, in this, they show he's not. Uh, they throw him through a fucking wall. He gets stabbed, and he almost seems bored throughout the entire process. Uh, in fact, throughout a lot of the movie, Kay or Joe, whoever, uh, whichever name you want to use for him, seems bored and detached. And I think I realized in this watch through, like, oh, shit. I think I, I, I think I realize why, uh, but I, I don't know how, uh, like going through chronologically will, will go. It's almost like I'm geared for jumping around all over the damn place and I can't structure it. I usually can't either. Let's see. Okay. So he takes out this replicant, uh, who looks at him and says, how can you kill your own kind? And Joe says like, you're, I, you're not my kind. You don't obey. Uh, because in the opening title scroll, they say, like, Wallace developed replicants who obeyed. So, throughout the movie, it's almost like Joe kind of holds on to that. Like, he's, his identity as a, rep, as a replicant, as unreal, as an unreal being, is something that he's, I don't know about dependent on, but co so firmly committed to. Uh, that later on in the movie when there's questions brought up, he, the first time you see some real emotion in Joe is when he's faced with the possibility that he is not, or he might still be a replicant, but he was born. So that's a little bit of a leap forward. 
but that's the first time you see him emote really oh notice that yeah whenever um, is that yeah god damn it god and the performance from ryan gosling in this fucking movie holy shit um there's a but, lot you know, with a little it, yeah he does like ev- everybody in this movie is pretty fantastic uh even, even david Harrison batista f- yeah even david batista like at the in the opening scene like the the farmer i was like he's oh he's, yeah really good right now this is not Groot or, yeah. or whatever uh what uh Grax or whatever the hell yeah yes Grax, uh, I, re- yeah. I, I, I remember reading something uh where he said like yeah I wanted to to do this part because it's like you know I've been it's easy to fall into the the kind of like big muscly muscle bound roles and just get stuck doing that kind of thing or doing the the comedic or something. I wanted to do something dramatic and this was an opportunity to be a part of the sequel to one of the best movies ever made. Like David Batista is super intellectual about this stuff. He's great. Uh, And he did a fantastic job in this movie with like the five minutes of screen time they gave him. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. But uh, Ryan Gosling takes out that replicant. uh, Fucking, Shit, you know what? I don't think I can go through chronologically. Can you? Uh, well, there was it was hard, actually hard for me to understand when we arrived at certain places in the movie. Chronologically, is a little bit off for me. Um, okay. Like, so, so actually, to give an example, he found a little sock in a piano where one of the keys didn't work. I don't know what house that was and how he got there. That he went back to the uh, David David Batista's. That was the farmhouse. farmhouse. Okay. That was the farmhouse. Yeah. Somehow I missed that. I guess like when you watch a movie, sometimes you're still thinking about something you just saw, and all of a sudden you check mm. back in. You're like, Wait, where are we? And um, and also, how did he end up at the girl who makes the memories? Like, how did he find that girl? So, uh, I remember him asking the question of like, who makes the memories? Or or Joy asked the question, and then he arrives there. Sense. Um, I don't, I think he just went to a person, a subcontractor, uh, like she, the, the girl even says that she's a subcontractor, oh, okay. uh, who makes memories for, uh, Wallace. And she was and the best so one. He, he, she was the best one. So he went to her, um, and just, oh, that's a whole other question. Like what are these memories real? Like, did these actually happen? Are they fabricated memories? Uh, are these feelings that I am feeling because of these memories true and like basically it takes a a sub subtextual question from the uh first movie which is uh are these memories real and what's the difference and actually just kind of holds them up and says these memories could be completely fabricated how can i tell the difference once that once i'm remembering them how how do how do i tell the difference between a fabricated memory and a real memory because in the first movie all the memories are real; they just happen to somebody else. Oh, in yeah. this one, there's a there's a whole other a whole other layer. Like these could be things that never happened, and it's illegal to use real memories. Yeah, wonder uh, what the implication of that is. Where I that? Don't know. I I don't know why it would be illegal. Maybe just people people just don't want to have their memories on display or or accessible by somebody else. It was like a digital rights thing. Yeah, holy shit! Digital rights for your for your moments in life. Um, but so, like, w- what are some of the questions that the first movie asked? Um, what is human? What is not human? And then when you start plucking away at the differences, is there a difference? Is kind of the and then what would you do if you were able to meet you meet a creator who uh, put an arbitrary limit on your experience? Um, how do you face death when you know it's coming? Those are the questions of the first movie. In the second movie, the questions are, what's the difference between a real emotion and a real relationship and right. a fabricated one? What's the difference between a real memory and a fabricated memory? What's the difference in someone's perception of their of their self? Or, or what's the impact that someone's perception of their self can have on who they are as people because like just big overview of the movie uh k starts off as a replicant 
he's definitely a replicate like that's not a not a question in this one and then he even states at one point uh i've never retired anything that was born before and then the chief goes uh well what's the difference and he says a soul maybe makes it seem like they have a soul if they were born so in Kay's mind there's already this arbitrary delineation between a replicant and a human being uh the ability to reproduce i guess like the ability to if you can create life that means you are life or you are alive he can't do that so or replicants can't do that so that's one delineation that he's got internalized and then he's faced with the possibility and freaks the fuck out over the possibility uh doesn't want the possibility at first um that he was born that he's a real boy you know you 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 watch pinocchio and all pinocchio wants is to be a real boy k is committed to exactly what he is he's he knows that he's a replicant he knows that he's not a real boy i think he went through that uh that test and the tester said good old constant k because he always aces that test yeah and that that test is interesting because uh well we can we can get into that uh he is one of the one of the most obedient uh versions of him uh i'm saying uh too much like he he is so committed to being exactly what he is that when he's faced with the possibility that he's not what he is or what not what he's committed himself to be he freaks the fuck out and he can't handle it and then when he's starting to come to terms with this new reality that he's something he was born he's a human quote unquote uh then he has that taken away from him he's told no oh you thought it was you you thought you were the 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 chosen one and he has that taken away from him and that was his moment of transcendence i think uh but i don't know i'm, I'm kind of jumping around well that's uh, that so is, that is one of those things you're talking about what we think we are affecting who we can be that was him when he thought he was like like joy said you're special you're special you're special uh, that was changing so much for him and then it was taken away turns out he's not special but i mean he was already thinking in that way he was yeah. already starting to what's the difference between special and not special or chosen and not chosen belief so i think this movie is a whole lot more about belief than the first movie the first movie was asking questions of what's real and what's not real this quest this movie was well, maybe kind of answering the question which is the difference is belief i like that when he when he believed that he was real he started to he started to act very differently he started to disobey he he became dangerous uh and then when he had that taken away he had another fucking within like a couple of days he had another crisis of of not, not consciousness of uh, uh crisis of identity identity crisis there's actually a phrase for that so like one of the like the the question in this movie uh and joy is uh like you were saying earlier, um, what's the difference between a, a fabricated emotion or or what's the what, what did you say earlier about Joy that I really liked? Um, she was analogous to the first movie where it's that question of what well, she's an AI and the what he sees of her is what he loves and that's the same as any relationship where what we see of the other person is what we love so it exists in our own mind anyway. So what's the difference whether it's you love this woman that you met. Uh, at, in college and or is it this ai that you you have as a partner what you see and perceive and believe them to be is what you love anyway exactly yes so like in, in and i think i mentioned it a little bit before in this movie uh to that point the question isn't if people are real or if different kinds of people are real or unreal it's whether emotions and feelings and connections are real and something that something i noticed in this one uh k rejects those connections to everybody like in several like uh love the the one who always wears wears white uh 
She even says something along the lines of, people like being asked personal questions. It makes them feel desired. Right. And then she asks him a personal question. And he says, you can reach me at my office. Or something like that. He, he completely rejects her. The madam, the, the chief, who shows up at his apartment. Oh, and she asks, what happens when I finish this drink? Yeah, like, she yeah. makes a pass at him, and he rejects it. Uh, he's out there, he's looking at the pictures, and these um, these sex workers come up to him, and they start talking to him, and he rejects them. The he, He's so committed to not being real that he can't, he rejects these connections to everybody. Like, he, he makes no connections to another person because he sees himself as not a person. So these connections can't be real because he, he can't enjoy these connections because the he knows that the people that he's talking to are not viewing it as a real connection. And that's why he always turns to joy and why he, he commits entirely to their connection being real because he just, he wants that from somebody else, but he knows he'll never get it. Like at one point, she says uh, he gets that emitter and they go out into the rain and she says, like, I'm so happy when I'm with you. Yeah. And he looks at her and he says, you don't have to say that. Like he wants he wants a real connection, but he knows he's not going to ever get it from somebody else. But maybe he can attempt a real connection with joy. And even if it's even if it turns out not to be real, it's at least safe. Like it's a. Joy is a safe thing or person for him to talk to, you know? Oh, here's an interesting not... interesting thing I just realized. So whenever he has to put her on the emitter and take her off of, like, the main, main frame or whatever, um, he's like, but, you know, if anything happens to that, you're gone. He's like, she's like, yes, like a real girl. So in a sense, mm -hmm. she would have mortality. So the mortality would make her like a real girl, whereas being born is what would have made him like a real boy. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. Just, uh, that and, came together as I was listening to you. And, and that, uh, that, that part where she tells him, like, no, um, you have to put me on the emitter, you have to save me to the emitter and delete everything here, like giving yourself mortality, that's something I think about when I, I really sit down and think, is joy real? Because... <laughs> Why would a why would a product uh, a act in uh, act in opposition to the company that made it uh, if it were designed from top to bottom designed why would it do that uh, and then also she seems to actually care about him in that moment like put me in danger put me uh, put me at risk of cessation of existence. Uh, and delete everything, delete all the backups, and then break the antenna. Uh, why Why would, well, I guess, fuck. I guess if she was just programmed to be whatever he wanted her to be, then that's a, a, a obviously that's what she would do. Yeah, but um, I, I was, waffle a lot. I was really confused whenever she was able to understand the context of him being born, which then I started thinking, well, she... I guess at that point in technology would have a wealth of knowledge. The more knowledge, more fluency, then the more realistic, I mean, even down to the subtleties of like, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm burned this dinner. I hope it's not too much. And he's, yeah. he's already telling her, don't fuss over me. And just to make that flow naturally, she would ha I mean, they would, this new product would have to be incredibly in informed, but I but, was but also shocked. Also, they've got they've already got a pre-existing relationship before this, so his whole like oh yeah yeah the, like being born means you have a soul that could be something that he's talked to her about. That that's kind of what I uh, what I pin that on. Like okay, uh, obviously she's a super advanced AI. She's designed to be exactly what he wants her to be. Uh, and they've had these conversations, so she's going to pull from those conversations to be or to say what he wants her to hear kind of thing. But at yes. the same time, like, I'm still kind of the same way uh, I didn't want Deckard to be a replicant. I'm still kind of like, I don't want Joy to not be 
real. I don't want <laughs> I don't want his one positive relationship to be a, a complete fabrication. But I think I'm going to come to the same conclusion in the end, which is, what's the difference? Right. Yeah, I'm very comfortable there with that part of the story and that being what they were saying. And uh, one thing I noticed in, like, kind of his relationship with Joy and then his denial of a relationship to everybody else in the movie, one thing I noticed this time around was, like, oh, Kay seems like kind of a bland character. He he seems kind of, I don't know, he seems kind of boring. But then I realized it's because he's rejecting relationships. He's rejecting connections to everybody around him because he's, his, of his commitment to not being real. And, you know, he can't have a real relationship because the other person is never going to see it as a real relationship, so he doesn't bother. Um, I realized this time around that, oh, wait, we... We judge people, we get to know people based on their relationships to other people. So, like, if you see a person in a vacuum, then they're just a body. If you see a person interacting with the people around them, that's where you get clues as to who they are. And oh, yeah. what motivates them. Like, you can kind of define them by the outline of their relationships. Does that make sense? Very much so. I remember um, reading something about how, like, it's important if you're going to go out to, like, a bar... Like, have your friends with you and then, like, be enjoying yourself with your friends if you want to meet new people. It's not about having your bubble. It's about expressing social capital to show that, hi, I'm here with all my people and we have bonds and we're comfortable and they see me as safe and I see them as safe. So come and join us. And also you can be observed in that environment and, like, somebody can tell something about you based on how you are interacting with the people around you, and they can use that to kind of decide what they think of you. Exactly. In this, <laughs> in this movie, he rejects all of that. It's the opposite. Uh, yeah. it's And so that's why he's kind of, for a lot of the movie, he's kind of just there, unless he's interacting with Joy. His little, his safe uh, experimental relationship is, you know, his... Uh, and it's even throughout the movie, it's even kind of an embarrassment. <laughs> Did you notice that? Like Yeah, yeah. Uh oh, you're you're a customer. Uh when you hear the chimes and then that one girl um says, Oh, you don't like real girls. Yeah. And kinda walks away and he's almost a little like ee. Uh so it's like in, in this world he's uh other people are even kinda looking down on him a little bit because he's got one of these joys. Um, and so that, that the, I don't like the word prostitute, but it keeps coming to mind. The, um, lady of the night, the lady of the night, the sex worker, um, she's a replicant. Oh yeah. And she's saying, and she like, you fun you figure out later, she's a replicant and she's look, she hears that joy chime and she says, oh, you don't like real girls. And she walks away. Oh, wow. So there's like a hierarchy, a pecking order yeah. of who's real. Yeah. He he doesn't, he, he can't maintain a relationship even with other replicants because their connection can't be real either because neither one of them is real. Like he has got such a hang up over what's real and not real that he he commits completely to not being real and completely to... You know, if it can't be real, then don't bother. Uh, but this other replicant is like, oh, you don't like real girls. Meaning that, at least in comparison to Joy, she sees herself as real. So, uh, what did you think of the character of Love? And Which one was she? She was dressed all in white, and she was, was she the super crazy murder robot? She's super crazy murder robot, but the, there's a whole lot of interesting characterization with her. I remember, what, did, what did you think of her? I remember her leaving at the very end um, and saying, I'm the best one, just before the climactic fight scene. And mm. that stood out to me. But Well, I, earlier earlier in the movie, uh, sorry, I totally stepped on your... No, well, actually, really, like she didn't. I wasn't tracking her as much. Uh, maybe it's just because I've seen the, the movie a few times. So I've, I already know what's going to happen, so I can dwell on the beats of the story. Right. Um, so earlier in the movie, uh, Wallace has that, you know, has that replicant that just falls out of the bag. Yes. Uh, is born. 
covered in this kind of weird amniotic fluid. And kudos to the lady who portrayed a com- like a a newborn foal almost. Yeah. Uh, j- s- fantastic acting. I loved the point about part. before we even know what we are, we fear losing it. That was so yes. good. Combined with uh, her expressing that. Yes, like uh, uh, I actually wrote down what he said. Um, the clay. The first thought tends to fear to preserve the clay. Before we even know what we are, we fear to lose it. And she's showing this fear, and behind him is love. And you can tell that she knows what's about to happen as he's giving his speech. She's talking to love, but really he's talking to himself. Uh, and he's describing like Tyrell's final trick, which was being able to make a replicant who can reproduce, which is true life. Like once you've created something that can make more of itself, you have created life. But of course, what, how does he see it? Oh, if they can make more of themselves, it will be easier to have more of them as slaves. (laughs) So, uh, and he's basically saying this right in front of love and then like examining this completely innocent new consciousness who's afraid and cold and vulnerable and he cuts her across the belly he just slices her womb that's what he's talking about when he's when he does it this barren space between the stars just, Yes, and this barren space between the the stars, he just slices it right open and lets her bleed out. And one of those little vision cameras, like he's got five of them, they're all flying around, and four of them are are focused on the replicant that he's quote-unquote looking at. But one of them is on love. One of them is staring right at her, and it's almost like he's testing her compliance, almost testing her, her submission to him. Like, he killed this replicant, or retired, or whatever you want to say. He killed this person, uh, in my opinion. He killed this person just to watch what her reaction would be. And then, as he's leaving, what does he say? Because the the entire time he's talking about angels. We make angels. I don't remember. And then, as he's leaving, uh, yeah, uh, we make angels here. Some of them, they used to be bad, but we make good angels here. Good angels being compliant, being obedient angels. And then he does that. He's watching her reaction to him doing that. And as he walks away, he puts a hand on her shoulder and he says, love the best one of all or the best angel of all. That's right. Which ties back to that, what she says at the end. I'm the best one or whatever she says. Yeah, like uh, just like Joe has committed entirely to his unrealness and that's how he persists she has committed entirely to being the best one the the most compliant the most angelic of all of the uh, of all of god's angels i guess uh like she has wrapped her entire existence around that which is why when he does that to the replicant she has a reaction you can tell that she's not okay with it, but she she holds fast, you know? She remains obedient. And then later on, when she is basically given permission to fire missiles at people, she relishes that. Like, it, it's almost like she revels in this, uh, in this opportunity to meet some suffering on people because of probably the things that she's had to do like watch wallace gut a newborn uh like are are you at all familiar with uh joseph not joseph campbell um god the uh the guy who wrote mind hunter uh he profiled serial killers carl young i don't think that's i don't think it's carl young um god damn it uh i can't remember the the name but i remember hearing about him because of that tv show that was on recently uh yeah um Robert Ressler was one of them, but um, so a commonality that they found among serial killers is uh, they grew up powerless, being constantly reminded that they had no power, um, that they were completely at the whims of other people, 
who took away their power either in the form of like physically taking away their power or uh, telling them that they had no power, like just beating down their self-esteem. So when they find a way to display power to enforce some change in the world or, or, or enact some sort of uh, overpowering of another person, which is the, the most inarguable display of power is enforcing yours over somebody, uh, they can't get enough of it. Like, they find this avenue to, to gain their power back, and then they just they have to keep doing it as an affirmation of their power. That's kind of what I see in love when she's going through and she's just killing quote unquote real people. Like she just the the guy in the morgue or the the guy in the the police department, she just fucking karate uh, chops yeah. his neck and collapses collapses his head into his collarbone without a thought. And then later on, she's firing missiles at people and almost like kind of like oh yeah like oh ten points oh twenty points oh that one's getting away. Pew. Yeah, I see a little uh, bit of um, biblical archangel action there as she's raining hellfire from the sky upon these people. Oh yeah, like she is, she she is Gabriel in this. Like the 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 angel who remains loyal to their creator and does the does their bidding. Uh, but then it's also interesting later uh, when she meets the chief and demands to know where Kay is. Uh, she tortures the chief a little bit like you know she's crushing the chief's hand and or the madam's hand demanding to know where Kay is and she lets it slip out because she knows that this lady is never going to talk to another person before she kills her she lets it slip out um something something new is born and your first instinct is to kill it so she's she has some semblance of i mean humanity in that like she's even crying as she's crushing the madam's hand i think because she realizes she's going to be told by wallace to kill this thing like to find this miracle this new life find it bring it back for dissection and examination she realizes that that's what she's going to have to do but she knows the significance of this and so she's crying as she's saying this uh I don't know. I, I think on repeat watches, Love is an incredibly interesting character. Later on when she's fighting uh, Joe, I don't want to call him Kay. Uh, Joe is his final name. Like uh, He even gets a name when he re- finds out he's real. Um, later on when she's fighting Joe, she kisses him. You remember? Like She stabs him, yes. he's down, and she kisses him. And then walks away and like, I am the best one. She is so committed to her self-identity as the best one, as the the most obedient, the penultimate uh, of the angels. But she still likes him. She, She sees in him all of the things that she can't be or can't do because you I, I bet there's a part of her that wants to just grab Wallace and twist his neck until it breaks like to do terrible things to wallace because she's she's seen him do those things to her basically and but she can't because she's so committed to her identity as the best one she sees that in in joe and she she is kind of in love with him for it if that makes sense it it does um oh the name thing the name thing, actually. Um, so Joe gets a name when he discovers he's alive. And that's mm-hmm. also kind of a biblical thing whenever uh, people would see God. Like, what is it? Saul became Paul. And then there's somebody, there's like another one. I'm not really a, a giant Bible guy. But I know it's like a, a theme in the Bible that whenever people see God or they like, you know, have had that touch in their life, they, they get a new name and they become a new person and all of that. And uh, I almost wonder if it's a little bit of um, reference, another biblical reference in that way. Possibly. Like, yeah, like getting a new name or is kind of a symbol of rebirth. Right, yes. And so he's given a name, like I, I christen, like Catholics have christenings, like uh, here is your given name, here, here it is. And he was christened by 
a person who is arguably less real than he is. Yes, arguably. Arguably, yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I was just thinking, like, earlier, I don't know if it's earlier in the movie than that, uh, Joy actually has uh, that sex worker show up at his at the apartment so that because she says i want to be real for you and joe says you are real to me like he's as committed as he is to his own uh falseness as committed as he is to his own unreality he is just as committed to joy being a a true being you know maybe like he can see the real the realness in her that he cannot see in himself and maybe that's him just being like look if i i will never be seen as real but i can i can see her as real i can do that for her or or possibly i can do that for me just to show that it's possible kind of thing do you think and that- it all all comes back to belief again like he he believes it and so anyway go ahead do you think this movie clarifies whether or not Deckard was a replicant? I think it brings up in one scene it brings up the the question and then turns away from it. Um, oh, it was in the scene where Wallace is saying like, "Oh, you remember the first time you met her?" Oh, uh, the, that's right. How shiny her lips were. Blah, blah, blah. You were engineered. And then, he, and then he says like, "How have you never thought that maybe you were?" You had that instant connection by design that you were meant to meet her and uh, and do what you did, like create life like that. That was the plan for you the entire time. But he even says at one point, he says um, by design, if you if you were designed, you know, he he like says it and then backs off of it. So he kind of I don't know. You could still see the first movie is maybe he is maybe he isn't do you think they'll make another one i don't know i mean they took a while between installments so i guess there's yeah time i i I, if they do it's not gonna have harrison ford involved no (laughs) either he'll be too old or 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 dead um oh and then I, i made a note here uh it's weird that like in his search for truth uh Joe goes to the most artificial, manufactured market for false dreams and hopes. He goes to Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Like, that's where he finds truth, is a place designed to be exactly the opposite of truth. Designed to be all about the perception of of hope and, you know, anything you want it to be. Your that's chances. where he goes to find it. Yeah. The odds um, in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then what does he find there? Bees. I just thought that was interesting. Bees. Like, you can't have bees. You can't have honey without pollen. You can't have pollen without flowers. So maybe in this place where nobody goes, things are healing almost. Like, there, there is growth somewhere around there. Like, the bees have to go somewhere to get what they need. It's so strange that he stuck his hand in the bees. He's never seen a bee. He's never seen a bee before. Right, right. I just all of that was so strange to me. He, he he's never if he he probably knows intellectually what a bee is, but he's never seen one. And it's like, well, I'm a fucking I'm a fucking replicant. Let me just not, they can't hurt me. Let me just let me just stick my hand in there. I'm not allergic. What the fuck is this? Uh, I'm only allergic to bullets. As we find <laughs> later. Um, oh, and then so he meets he meets Deckard. And at this point in the movie, he's coming to terms with the possibility that he was born, that he's a real boy. And he's he's starting to believe it. He when he's talking to Deckard, he's like, what's her name? Like almost with this insistence, like he wants to know what his mom's name was. That's the kind of of drive he's got because he, he thinks or he's come to terms at this point with the fact that he had a mother holy shit, how mind-blowing does that must that be for a replicant? I have a mother. This entire time I've been told and I've believed and I've committed to not being real, but now I know I have a mother and I'm looking at my father. Just, holy shit. Um, and then he, he sees the dog. And what does he say when he sees the dog? <laughs> he asks, is that real? And what does Deckard say? Why don't you ask him? Yeah. 
Exactly. I think that's the perfect response. That is such a Deckard response, especially like after the things that Deckard saw in the first movie, after the living with Rachel and having a life after that first movie, Deckard is on the the scale of real or unreal, manufactured, fakeful, blah. Deckard is the most enlightened motherfucker in this entire movie. Is that real? Why don't you ask him? If he can answer you, he fucking is, is what he's saying. I think, therefore, I am, is what everything circles back to. So, Wow, that's a good use of that dog in storytelling. I, that, I just and, caught, yeah, you just tied that together for me. And it's two seconds. Yep. It, it's two seconds. And, and it's like, it's Deckard saying, let me sum up everything, all of these questions. Let me sum up the answer to all of these questions, all of this uh, agonizing insecurity. Uh, is, the, is it real? Why don't you ask him? That applies directly to Joe. Uh, that applies directly to all of them. And then later on in the movie, uh, Deckard is uh, abducted, taken away. Um, I don't know why I had to say abducted and then taken away. Uh, Deckard is abducted. And Joe is rescued by this kind of underground rebellion, like this rebellion of replicants. He comes face to face with the the replicant rebellion and kind of we we get a little bit of an exposition dump they're explaining to him like we saw a miracle uh the lady even shows like she's taken out her own eye you know the one thing that could identify her as a replicant that mark under like look up into the left yeah she's taken that out if thine own eye offends thee pluck it out she's she fucking did that and she's set she she tells him like gives him the exposition and then it comes out, oh, you thought it was you. And he has another crisis of identity because he's been believing that he was real. And uh, let me just read this. Like, reality is a matter of belief. He thought he was real and began, began to behave as such. He came to terms with that and, and introduced it into his, into his sense of self. He found out he never was and that it was a matter of belief. That's where it sunk in for him, his belief. Is it real? Ask him. Uh, and then later on, or just two seconds later, uh, she says, like, oh, you believed it was you. And then she backs away and says, we all wish it was us. Uh, you know, they're fighting, they're rebelling, but they still don't see themselves as real. They still wish that they were they were that born thing that they were that being who came, who was a product of, of life, because they still have that same hang-up on what the difference between real and, re and unreal uh, being born. Well, Joe is realizing that he thought he was born, and he was when he believed he was. He's, he kind of reaches a whole new state of, uh, I almost want to say transcendence, when he realizes that he, he's been given the experience of believing that he was born, right? Something that only humans have been able to experience before. He's a replicant who's been given the experience uh, of knowing without a shadow of a doubt because he's got all this evidence. Everything has led to him believing he was born and that he's got a soul and that he's a product of life. And then he finds out it wasn't true. He's still got that experience of believing it. And as long as he believed it, he was real. So he's alone. He is unique in that, in that mindset, in that level of understanding what the difference is between real and unreal. Oh, and There's fucking nothing. Yeah, he has. Um, so once he felt like he had a soul and then that feeling was gone, what was that feeling in the first place? Th that goes back to what's the difference? Because he, he had that experience of having a soul and having that feeling. He felt it. And then whenever mm -hmm. it was disproven, well, that feeling was still the feeling. Like, how did he summon that? He, he could always summon that. He just needed yeah, something to lead it, him there. He, he, all he needed was belief in its existence, and it was there. Uh, because it's not actually a real thing. Like, even... Oh, yeah. Even being real or not being real isn't a real thing. As long as he believed that he was... He was so like 
he believed that he was real and he felt real. Is that going to just disappear? Like you said, is that going to just disappear? How did he feel it if it wasn't possible? <laughs> right? Right. He's the only replicant who's ever had that in the history of this world. He's the only one who's ever had that. And so he's got a deeper understanding of what it is to be human than these these rebels because even they're still they're still talking about the most human thing we can do is die for a cause they're still attempting to be human they're still trying to be real in that moment he realizes that he always was and that they always were but how is he going to explain that to them because nobody could have ever explained it to him until he had this experience right right they're still like they're still over there cheering and giving speeches about you know oh it's a, this is the most human thing we can do and he's just sitting there and as he's having another identity crisis realizing fuck i always was well i have a couple of little humans i need to make sure are in bed okay it is now 10:30 um but this was good yeah you just want to call it there yeah, yeah okay i'll need to i'm at i'm out of time um, okay but yes this was awesome i kind of like this approach we should. What's something else that we can look at other than movies? Though is there another thing we could look at? Is there some um, other? Not like a book club. I don't want to have to read whole books. Um, maybe. What about? Uh, go ahead. Maybe. Well, I mean, like not necessarily a conspiracy theory, but like a news story, like the fucking storm the Capitol thing, and like some oh of the God, tangents, Jesus. <laughs> like the dude <coughs> with the buffalo horns, like follow that rabbit hole, <laughs> and like I would probably the, find some things. And then you would probably find some things and then come back and bring those two things together and go like, yeah, oh yeah, that's who that was. Oh, fuck. Well, I found this over here.